0: All right, here we go. John chapter one, I'm going to pick it up in verse 14. I want to focus on a couple key words uh, that are in this particular passage. In fact, if, if I had a few hours, I could probably just take one verse of this, but we got to be out here about one o'clock and anybody got time for that. So uh, John's gospel chapter one, verse 14, hear the word of the Lord this morning. He says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father. Once you pay attention to this, full of grace and truth, John, John the Baptist here, testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace, and if you have a real Bible, I would, that's a huge thing, underline that if you feel comfortable doing that in your Bible, from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he was, or he has revealed Him. Let me pray over us in the reading of God's word this morning. Thank you, Lord, um, for your word that maybe somebody has been searching for something, some revelation, some type of word from on high. God, I just want to pause and say thank you that you just did that very thing. You've revealed yourself to us through your scripture, and you've just spoken to us. And so, God, we just say we receive it. And God, I just pray that when we leave this room, People won't say, that dude is weird, but they'll say, look how good Jesus Christ is. Because we want to make much of you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to flesh all of this out, if I can, and what's going on and give you a little bit of context. And like I said, I could probably spend hours just on this one simple phrase here. The incarnation is an incredibly important doctrine for many of us to understand that Jesus Christ came as fully god he also came as fully man he did not empty himself out of his uh, of his deity as some heresies would proclaim that he did in fact over the years of Thousands of years have been heresies that have come out trying to discredit the deity of Jesus Christ. Well, maybe he was just partial God, partial man. Maybe he was just a spirit, or maybe he was just this or that. But it's very important that we get a right understanding of who Jesus Christ truly is. And so John is laying out for us who Jesus really is. In fact, if you remember John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, Right. You remember this this verse and the word was with God and the word was God. And so he answers this looming question of who is this word? Who is this Greek logos word that he's talking about? And he answers it for us in verse 14. This word that was with God before with God in the beginning with God throughout all time. The word put on flesh and bones. This is the idea of incarnation. And he dwelt among us. So the word is Jesus Christ. He dwelt among us. This word dwelt here literally means in the Greek that he just pitched a tent in our neighborhood. So he came out in your front yard and said, you know what? I think I'm going to camp out here. Notice that this is the king of all kings, the the creator of the cosmos. And he decides and he chooses to just want to settle out and, and camp out with his folk. If I'm king, I ain't pitching no tent. Ain't nobody got time for that. Give me my mansion. Give me my security guards. Give me my my Uzis so that nobody can come inside my mansion. But that is not the language that Jesus is saying that's happening here that is describing how he came. How did he come? He wanted to dwell. He wanted to camp out with his folk. He want to be with his people so that when he gets out of his tent and got to go to the bathroom, or when he gets out of his tent and got to ask for a glass of water, what's he doing? Knock, 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 knock. Can I come in for a second? This is the idea of Jesus dwelt among us. He's here. He's dwelling. He's with his people. And I love this idea that, that John the writer here gives us, that he reveals his glory. Now, this is the Old Testament language that is being used here. This is the weight of God being on full display. Now, don't think just miracle of God, although that is an aspect of God's glory being revealed. But there's, there's another idea being presented that, that the glory of God is being revealed right in front of us. This takes us back to our Old Testament history when Moses asked God, I just want to see your face. You remember this story? Down in Exodus, Moses says, let me see your face. And so what does God do? God comes down and a great light is cast before Moses, right? You remember this here. And the word of the Lord says, here is the Lord of Lord. And what does he do? He begins to describe his character to Moses. So it was more about seeing a physical face of who God is. It was more about... God describing his character. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is slow to anger. So understand this, that when John is saying that the glory of the Lord is revealed, that's what he's saying. So John could have said that the glory of the Lord is revealed through Jesus Christ, and now his character is revealed to all of us, and it could be said that Jesus is compassionate. It could be said that Jesus is just. It could be said that Jesus is loving and full of grace. It could be said that Jesus gets a little angry with people sometimes. It could be said that Jesus is gonna reveal his wrath to some of these jokers sometimes. It could be said that Jesus is going to display the truth to the people so that they can understand their need of grace. So when he says this idea of God getting ready to flex his muscles, that's what he's talking about. That the glory of the light of God has come, and it's revealed through the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. And that's what his nature is. Jesus, the Son of God, incarnate in flesh here to dwell with his people. Now, don't get caught up in the word son of God. This ain't still mean that he was some created being. It's just a title. That he is an exact image of God. When you heard him described as son of David. Well, well, David was dead, right? So did David have Jesus? No, it was just this title of authority that Jesus carried. So he is the son of God. And so it's very important that you get the right Jesus because what he's going to do is he's going to outline himself. So he says, here's the revealed character of God right here. And his name is Jesus. And what is he full of? Did you catch it? Grace and truth. Now, this is very important. A lot of us, we like grace Jesus, right? Like We love Jesus as the grace man come up here to love me, come up here to hug me and just tell me my worth through him. We love that Jesus. But I'll be honest, sometimes I got a lot of problem with the truth Jesus because the truth Jesus points you out in your mess so that you can understand why you need grace-filled Jesus. I I think in our culture that we want grace Jesus, and grace Jesus at times— He's like this woke Jesus. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say woke? It's the cult of our day. Jesus is woke, y'all. He accepts everybody. He's so woke that he's not going to call you out in your sin, honey. It's okay. Your lifestyle is just fine. Come. It's fine. Jesus doesn't care. You could stay that way. That's the woke Jesus. Sometimes we think that that's the grace Jesus But if you get just so much grace without truth, then you get Jesus wrong. But let me say this on the other flip side of thing, because I think this is where the church can be in danger of, is we like truth Jesus, where we like to shove our fingers up in culture's face and tell them how wrong they are and how crazy they are. But you know, if you're just a truth-filled church, then you just look like the angry guy always complaining about things, right? It's a balance, and it's an important balance, because it shows the very character and nature of Jesus Christ. Here is the essence, the revealed character and nature of God on full display, filled with truth and grace. Let me look at this word, grace, for us this morning, if I can. Grace is this favor of God and his kindness. That's Bestowed upon, I like that word bestowed. It makes me feel like I'm a really rich guy. I've bestowed my kindness and my grace upon us. But that's what grace is for who? For those who do not deserve it. And let me just break down uh, an idea for us this morning, if I can. You didn't deserve it, boo boo. You think that you were like this deserving individual who is entitled to the grace of Jesus. Let me just break it down for you and chop that horse off for you. You don't deserve it. If you deserved it, then what would be the need of the cross of Christ? Whether you're going to put yourself as if you're good, just like Jesus? No, honey. You're an enemy of God in your sin. This is why grace is so powerful This is why the ultimate reason why Jesus came and died on the cross is so beautiful for us in our doctrine of grace that we didn't deserve Jesus coming down. God should have put every single one of us on the cross and he should have poured his wrath on all of us, but he didn't. Why? Because the word became flesh and he he pitched a tent in our yard and he gave this offering on the table I'm going to show you the truth about who you really are, but I'm not going to leave you there. Now what Jesus does? When he's talking to the woman at the well, yo, woman, I know you've had five husbands. You're working on number six. You're probably going to be working on eight, nine, and 10 in just a minute, but let's slow your roll. I'm going to reveal the truth of your heart and praise God he didn't leave that poor woman there, but he offered her the living water to drink from. That's Grace. He reveals his truth and his grace to everyone in Scripture. And some of them were too not headed to, to receive that grace, but there were many encounters. When they saw who they really were in light of who Christ is, that grace just became so beautiful to them. That's grace. And look at truth. Truth is the objective reality of how things really are. Truth leads us to that beautiful picture of grace. Truth reveals that need in our heart for grace. While we were enemies of God, while we hated God, while we were in our sins, while we were dead, Romans 5, 8 would tell us that God showed his love for us while we were in our sin. And so that truth revealed to us how dirty we were but the grace was there to wrap us up. And I'm going to be honest with you. In fact, I think oftentimes Christians can forget about uh, our need for grace because we think that grace is something that is just for them. Y'all know who them? Like I'd be saying it back in the hood in West Point, Georgia. Y'all know who them be? You know, them dirty folk. All right? Them are them folks. You know, they smoke in they smoking the reefer. they Them. Them, those are the people that are just they're they're sexually immoral, they're just disgusting. So and then like sometimes when we think like, when we think of this doctrine of grace, we just think, well, I've already got my grace, so I'm good. And you know what? It's really just it's for those people out there. There's a story um, in, in the late 80s of a man, some of you may remember this guy, Wesley Allen Dodd. He he was a child molester, a murderer. And he tortured young boys. It's said that in 1993, when, when he, he asked to be hung because of the guilt and the weight of what he did was just too much to carry. In fact, he wrote a book on to children on how to avoid creeps like him while he was in prison, waiting for his sentence or waiting for his, his judgment. It's said that there were 12 reporters in the room and And these 12 reporters, when he was there to be hung, one of them read Dodd's last words. And and one of Dodd's last uh, words is, I had thought there was no hope and no peace. I was wrong. I found hope and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Gasps. Groans erupted. You could feel and sense and hear the anger in people's Voices, They would say, he, great, him? No, he, he's in hell. He deserves hell. He doesn't, he doesn't get to experience grace, people were saying. But if we're honest, we are God. We don't deserve it either. Think about the most vile, disgusting human beings. We're on an equal footing as they are. But but grace, here's grace for, for whomever ready to be poured out on individuals like Wesley Dodd and on individuals including you and I. I imagine the distance between Dodd and me are quite different, right? I would hope they are. And I would hope they are for you. But in God's eyes, it's not so. In fact, he sees our sin the same. So here's grace offered on the table through a man and a God who would come like one of us. I've struggled with that doctrine as well. I'm like, geez, Jesus, so you went through the valley of the shadow of puberty? You went through the annoying toddler stage? And he did, fully God, fully man. And he's revealed the glory of God by the character of God. And if you want to see who God is, you just look at Jesus in his life. And then I love this next part that he says. So here is the revealed character and nature of God, full of grace and truth. And then what does he say in, in this, next, this next verse, in verse 16, we have received what? Grace upon Grace, man, I love that right there grace upon grace. One, one commentary that I was reading, was he gave us this idea of being like stuck in the ocean. And you're right there and there's a wave and you're like, okay, it's done, but it's not. You're in the ocean. There's another wave. You're like, okay, that's it. That's enough. And then what happens? There's, there's another wave. Think about the, the grace of God. Like you are in the ocean of God's grace. And when you think that you've had enough, here comes more grace. It's this idea of this scarcity mentality and this abundant mentality that I think we find ourselves in. Here's what I mean by this. Here's what scarcity mentality is. Scarcity means that there's not enough, right? Abundance means what? There's more than enough. Scarcity is the toilet paper crisis of 2020. Can I get an amen? Can I get a scathing rebuke to some of you who were stuck piling on all the teepee? As if the Rona is going to give you something else. Okay. Scarcity. Abundance. The need to use toilet paper, right? Scarcity, I don't have enough. Abundance, there's more than enough. Isn't that what sometimes we equate grace to? There's not enough grace for me today, God. You know I've did this sin, I've had this thought. I've I've said these words that were hurtful and you just kind of belly gaze down you're like God can't use me again. God can't forgive me. But what does the word say? That there's for you. That there's grace upon grace. Screw up. Do it. What happens? Grace upon grace. Lose your job. What happens? Grace upon grace feeling like a failure in your marriage, what is there for you on the table? Grace upon grace. Now, this isn't easy believism or that you just can continue to sin or you can continue to live this lifestyle like you want to. That's a misunderstanding of grace that some of us may have. No, Paul, he writes to that argument in Romans. But when we understand the true grace, we'll want to walk in this true grace. But just know, my friends, my friends, when you screw up, and you will, when you, you fumble, when you, when you are just kind of just at your wit's end, and that, and when you're just kind of feeling this weight of oppression and depression, guess what there is for you today, and tomorrow, and the next day? Grace upon grace. Jesus is here. This revealed character of God is like coming down, and he's, and he's got a tent in our yard. And he, and he sees, he's kind of like the creeping guy. He's like kind of looking at you, creeping in your yard. Like, what you doing over there? That's Jesus. And, and he sees you like when you, when you, when you trash talk in your spouse or, or when you yell at your kids. And, and he sees that. And, and, and he's like, hey, there's, there's some grace for you right there. And that grace causes us to be more like him. Revealed character of God is here, bringing grace and truth to the world. And he's there with grace upon grace, grace replacing grace. He could have said truth upon truth, and wouldn't that have just stunk? It'd been like, it'd been like sometimes I treat my children when they screw up? Oh, you see what you did there? Go clean it up. Why are you looking at that? Are you looking at me like that now? Oh, I will slap your face off your head if you continue. And it's just like this. Like, don't judge me, okay? I know you parents do the same thing, and you have those bad moments, all right? But it's just like, like, what do you think you're doing? You moron. And it's just like me just going like, to, I just get my kids, just get on a nurse sometimes. And it could have been like that. When you screw up, Jesus is just like that angry parent with truth upon truth. You see what you did there, you little jerk? You see what you did there? Look at you, screwing up your life. Jesus could have said that. But thank God he didn't say that. He's our loving Father. He's there with grace, replacing grace, replacing grace, wave upon wave upon wave upon wave. And it's interesting here that if you look next to what happens here, that John brings up our OT guy, Moses, he brings up Moses and he's contrasting Jesus with Moses, not because the law was not a gracious gift, it was, the law was there to be a mirror in our heart, to, to do it, to reveal truth to us, to see that we'll never be able to meet the demands of the law. and. In essence, that is a gracious gift, because what is that? That is truth. It's the revealed, uh, it's, it's revealing who you really are. And so, and so John is, is bringing this contrasting ideas here by bringing Moses in the picture, that this law was there to be a mirror for your heart and a mirror for your soul, thus the need for Grace. And Moses couldn't give you that grace, so here's Jesus, the revealed character of God. He's the one. He's the greater Moses in this story. So how do we, how do we meet this grace? So what, what John is saying here, in essence, is, is that the way people meet God today, they, the way people see God today and get to know God is by looking at the glory of of Jesus, namely at the fullness of his grace, and how do they meet his grace? That's the question that's being presented to us without being asked in this text. How do they meet this grace? And so, how does the world encounter this grace today? You remember these disciples, they got to be with the revealed God in flesh, they got to walk with him, they got to talk. With him. They got to, to hear his heart. They got to feel his feelings. They got to see who Jesus was. And so how does the world see that today? I'll give you the answer if you're wondering. It's the church. How does the world see this grace of God revealed to us today? It's it's not just me. It's not me asking people, hey, do you know the Lord? Are are you a believer? Would you like to come to church with me? It's not just me. How does this grace that's been available to everyone, how does the world today get to experience that grace? The, The church, the church Jesus started in Matthew 16, when he says, I'll build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so that begs the question, then, what do we do with that? Is that just the preacher's job? Is that just the leader's job? Is that, is that just for the people that you see greeting? Is that their job? Is that, is that the job of, of the kid church folk? Is that their job? Paul presents this same question in Romans chapter 10, when he says in verse 14, how then, Will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Again, these rhetorical questions, the answer is not the pastor. The answer is the church. Why would you experience something so powerful and so incredible that it's there, wave after wave for you, just keep that for yourself. Maybe, and maybe, I don't know, this is just a, an observation. Maybe the grace hasn't been quite revealed to you. Maybe the truth of who you really are has not been revealed to you. If we have this answer the the grace of God revealed to us, wouldn't we want to show that to someone else in the world? So here's Jesus Christ, the word, the logos, fully God, fully man, camping out in your yard, revealing his true nature, the compassion, the love, the just, the, the merciful God, full of truth and grace, where grace is there in the morning for you. You know, it's like I had this weird image of, of this idea of grace being there for you in the morning. It's like, I don't know if you've ever had your kid, if they had like a nightmare or something, and, and you're sleeping in your bed, and like you're, you're asleep, but you can kind of feel this weird sensation like somebody's hovering over me and about ready to murder me. And you open your eyes, and it's this terrifying child looking at you, breathing heavily. Dad, I had a nightmare. It's terrifying. I get the same image of grace, not that it's terrifying. But you're resting and you wake up and you keep your eyes open a little bit and what's hovering over you? There's grace. When you wake up and you just had a rough day, a rough night, and you just feel like giving up, when you just feel like this, this ain't worth it, what's, what's there waiting to greet you in the morning? Grace is. And he's been revealed to us, the son of God, through Jesus Christ. Enough grace for the woman at the well with the five husbands. Enough grace for the prostitute. Enough grace for the drug dealer. Enough enough grace for the self-righteous. Grace upon grace. And it's here right now for you. Let me pray over you. You know, sometimes maybe you're here and you're struggling. Like, I just need God's grace. I just feel alone. I feel abandoned. I feel like I'm just at my wits end. I just want to encourage you this morning. Grace upon grace is here. Grace upon grace is here now. And all you do is just surrender, open your arms, receive his grace. So God, I just pray for the wounded, for the broken, for the hurt, for the one in despair, for the lonely, for the, stru- the struggling, the doubter, for the sick. I thank you we don't have to beg and plead. Would you reveal your grace, God? No, your grace is here. And so we just with surrendered arms, surrendered heart, Say, I receive it. I surrender to it. Wash me. Send wave after wave of grace on me. Send your beautiful name. Amen.